Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, we're talking about how sometimes Christians or people that call themselves Christians, they play their own religious version of Simon Says. Because if Christians fake it, fake it, this religious version of Simon Says, what it does is it takes out all of the life-changing parts of Christianity, and in its place, it puts like man-made religion. So somewhere along the line, a lot of people who called themselves Christians turned Christianity took it and instead of it being a relationship with Christ, they turned it into like a religion of man-made traditions and things that people do. And that's, that's what we're talking about tonight. And maybe you've, maybe you've been to a church or maybe you've been around some Christians that they had no idea what it meant to follow Jesus, but they knew what it meant to put money in an offering plate or to sing a particular way or to dress a particular way because they've, they've fallen in love with a religion and they haven't fallen in love with Jesus. And that's actually not something new. Even 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the earth, he dealt with people who, rather than following God, they were following their own set of rules. So the question tonight that we're going to think about in response to all of our questions is, what does God say about it? If you're part of my life group, you know, anytime, we, anytime a question's brought up, the first thing I'm going to ask is, what does the Bible say about it? Like, what does God say about it? Like, I could give you my opinion, but my opinion and a dollar will get you a coffee at McDonald's. You know, my opinion is pretty much irrelevant, but what God has to say is eternally relevant. So, if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to look at a story. Uh, It's not a story, it's an account. This is a historical account. Um, Someone named Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, who walked and talked with Jesus, who followed Jesus during his time of ministry on the earth. He wrote down what he saw Jesus do and what he heard Jesus say. So we know this is a reliable account um, of of Jesus' life. And what we find is that there's a group that really doesn't like Jesus and they're trying, to, they're trying to catch him. They're trying to make him stumble. They're trying to prove that he's not perfect and that he's not who he says he is. So if you have your Bible, it's Matthew 15. If you don't have your Bible, just the words are going to be on the screen, so you can just follow along on the screens. So let's read along here. It says, Some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God? For the sake of your tradition. For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother will be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God. Those are like Jesus's like air quotes. Devoted to God. They're not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth defiles them. Then his disciples came to him and asked, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? (laughs) He replied, Every plant my heavenly Father has not planted will be plucked up by the roots. Leave them, they're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain this parable to us. Then the sass comes out. Are you so dull, Jesus asked them? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? We'll talk about that later. But the things that, because <laughs> it, it's really interesting, but the things that come out of a person's mouth from the heart, and, but things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. 
but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So what we see is, just to kind of narrate what happens here, there's a group of people that absolutely hate Jesus because he kind of, he, he's, blo- he's punching holes in their religious system that have really nothing, not much to do with God and everything to do with them and their comfortableness, their comfort, not comfortableness. So you've got this group, and their group, the group's name is the Pharisees. So they are coming from Jerusalem. They're making a trip specifically for the purpose of debunking Jesus, making Jesus look like a fool. So they're on this mission. We're going to make Jesus look like a fool. We're going to take him down in front of all his followers. And you've got Jesus, and he's preaching to a crowd. He's with his disciples. He's with the people, his like 12 followers. But he's all, there's also this crowd of people that Jesus is teaching. They kind of interrupt his teaching, and they pose a question to him, and kind of an accusation. And we'll talk about the accusation, but these Pharisees are hypocrites, and Jesus calls them out. You can see in this, in uh, what verse is it? Verse 7, he, he says it's an exclamation point after it, which means he, he yeah, this is very emphasized. He's like yelled at them, pointed his finger at him. You hypocrites! He called them out. So why did Jesus call them out? It's because they were hypocrites, and what we do as Christians, sometimes we wrestle with hypocrisy. There's probably times you're not living out the life you're supposed to live as a Christian, and you've probably met people who say they're Christians who aren't living a legitimate life that is following Jesus, a legitimate Christian life. So what do we do? How do we rage that battle against hypocrisy? Well, what we want to talk about tonight is that this battle against hypocrisy, this war against hypocrisy is waged on three fronts. It's waged in three battles. And the first battle is God's words versus people's words. I've got this picture up here of this guy. His name is Elmer Deori. He was a Frenchman in the 1940s. And this is what he was really good at. Everybody's really good at things. He was really good at making forgeries of famous paintings. So he forged like Picasso paintings. And he sold them as if they were true Picasso paintings. So he sold them, and mind you, this is back in the 1940s, for millions of dollars. It's estimated that he made over a thousand forgeries and sold them. And nobody caught him from 1940 until 1964. Someone finally realized he'd been ripping people off for 24 years, and he was arrested. He was that good at making forgeries. And some of us are that good at living our life as a forgery, saying we're Christians, passing ourselves off as people who follow Christ, but really don't. And this is what the Pharisees, these people that were accusing Jesus of doing, what they were accusing Jesus of doing was that his disciples, the the people he followed, they were eating their food with unwashed hands. Okay, you may think, you know, get some hand sanitizer, Bath and Body Works, coconut lime verbena, and you're good to go. But that, that wasn't exactly what they meant. It wasn't like the fact that their hands were dirty. It was the fact that the, the Jewish people in the first century had this custom. And if you were a religious Jewish person, you would do this. There would be this little bowl of, like, special water. And before you would eat, you would ceremonially cover your hands in water. And it was to symbolize your purity before you ate. It had nothing to do with the fact that their hands were disgusting. Um, it had nothing to do with they went to the bathroom and didn't wash their hands or anything like that. Never trust a person with a dry handshake coming out of the bathroom, right? Uh, never trust them. It means they didn't wash their hands. Anyway, um, it w- had nothing to do with the cleanliness of their hands. It had everything to do with a procedure that they didn't follow. And, his disi- and the disciples were like, hey, or the Pharisees were like, hey, Jesus, your people aren't following our religious procedure. 
What do you say about that? And Jesus says, I'll tell you what I'm going to say about that. That's not God's rule. That's your rule. See, the Pharisees, they came up with this rule because God actually did impose a rule on the priests in, in, in Israel. And what the priests were supposed to do is before they were to offer an offering to God, they had to wash their hands. But the priests were like, hey, if we got to do it, we're going to make everybody do it. So they instituted their own rule that everybody had to wash their hands before they ate. Not just wash their hands like a good lather job. Wash their hands in this special bowl. And it was not God's law. It was their law. But they tried to force everyone to do it and say, if you want to be a good person, if you want to love Jesus, you better wash your hands our way. Chase? Well, yeah, they'd make up laws so they could get people to do what they want and just kind of like, yeah, exert their will over them. So I think so. Um, I think so. So first what the, the Pharisees did was they added to the law, and Jesus called, called them on it. He's like, listen, you added to the law. And sometimes what we do when we're battling the hypocrisy, you know, we add things to God's law that aren't in God's law. And we have our own traditions that we think are just as important, and we try to impose those traditions on other people. A very simple example is that some people think you have to, like, dress up or dress in this particular way to go to church. Like, that you have to wear a suit and tie, or that, you know, you have to dress, like, super formal to go to church. Question, where is that in the Bible? I'll answer it for you so to save you a lot of searching. It's not in the Bible. It's a tradition that we had. Um, it's a tradition that Americans would dress up for church services, and they would wear you know, the best clothes they had. Even if they don't necessarily wear a suit and tie every day, they would wear it to church. It's a tradition. It's not a bad tradition, but it's not a biblical tradition either. So is it right for us to impose that on other people when it's not in the Bible? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But see, the problem is we start elevating people's words to the place of God's words. We're in big trouble. So just like Simon says, did Simon say that? Uh-uh. The question we need to ask about our traditions is, did God say that? And if the answer is, uh-uh, we need to stop. For, it's not bad to have the traditions, but we should never force them on others. And if we try to tell other people that they have to live a certain way or they're not a Christian, that means we become hypocrites just like the Pharisees. Another thing they did, they didn't just add words to God's law or try to add words to God's law. They actually took some away. They didn't obey God's law, and they tried to still act like they were, they were following God, and Jesus calls them on it. He says, in verse 4, he says, For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father is devoted to God, they're not to honor their mother or father with it. So, God has a rule that still applies to us today as Christians. It's that you should not just honor your mother and your father, but you should take care of them. And there's going to come to a point in time where you're li- in your life where you've got to pay back. You know, there's a time in, in your life where your parents change your diapers, and there's going to be a time in your life where you have to change your parents' diapers. Yeah, and, and, and that's kind of funny, it's kind of serious, and it's kind of real, because God has called us to take care of our mother and take care of our father. When they get old, we're going to be taking care of them. But here's what the Pharisees started doing. They'd have, you know, mama was over here in a shack with no money, and they're obligated to give mama money 
And that's the right thing to do, isn't it? Take care of your mama. But what, you know what starts happening? They start saying, well, we don't want to give our money to mama. We want to keep it ourselves. So rather than sell my house, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say this house is devoted to God. So I can't give that to mama. It's God's money. But I'm going to still live it in any way and enjoy it. You see what they're doing? They're trying, to, they're trying to spiritualize their disobedience. And sometimes what we do is we try to spiritualize our disobedience and disobey God's law and still act like we're being Christians. Like, you know, I know he's not the best guy for me. You know, I know he's not like, he, 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 he doesn't do what God, what God calls him to do. And he, maybe he's not even a Christian. But, you know, like, I really feel like if I reach out to him and I go out with him, Maybe he'll, he'll get closer to God when the Bible says not to be unequally yoked together believers with unbelievers. The whole date and disciple idea is not a good idea, and it drags you down. But, but we try to spiritualize our disobedience to God by saying, well, it may work out okay, or, you know, I'm doing this for God. No, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it because he's got chiseled abs. You know, at least be, you know, at least be serious, okay? So... So, but just like the Pharisees would take, try to take away from God's law and spiritualize it, sometimes we take away from God's law and spiritualize it. So the, here's the question. The question we're going to ask all night is, what does God say? What does God say about it? If you want to be a real Christian, you, you, you listen to what God, not what Matt says, not what Pastor says, although you know, you, we should respect people that are teaching us the Bible, but we should care more importantly what God says in his word about things, and then we should do it. We should obey it. So the first battle we fight is God's words versus people's words. The next battle we fight is the lips and the heart. The lips versus the heart. So Jesus, he just like he, he just, I mean, he lights the Pharisees up. And then he quotes a verse from Isaiah and applies it to these Pharisees, to these hypocrites. And here's what it says. And by the way, man... I would hate for this verse to apply to me. And it scares me to death that sometimes it does. And here's, here's, here's the prophecy. Here's the verse that says in verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. I wrote this down about the Pharisees. It says, just like their ancestors, the worship of the Pharisees had become mechanical, predictable, rigid, and people-centered. Their hearts were not involved. There are only two people that know what's going on inside of you, and it's you and God. And you know what I know about me, and it's probably true about you too, is that I can trick myself sometimes into thinking it's all good in here when it's really not. So really, the only person who really knows what's going on inside of here is God. And how sad is it that God would say about people who claim to love him, these people honor me with their lips, they talk me up, but their heart is far from me. See, the Pharisees, they talked a good game. But the disciples, the people the Pharisees were picking on, they lived the game. They lived with Jesus. The Pharisees were over here talking about God. The disciples were living with God. The Pharisees were making up rules and saying they were gods. The disciples were sitting at Jesus' feet learning the truth of God. You, you understand that you can know everything there is to know about the Bible, but you can still not know God. I'm going to trip all over myself. But there's a difference there, and I, I hope you understand because there are, there are people who say they're Christians, and maybe they are Christians. They could quote 50,000 verses right at you. Just rattle them off, rattle them off, rattle them off but they can't tell you the last time God spoke to them when they were praying. 
You see what this means? Their heart is far from me. You know what the disciples had just seen? The disciples had just, if you look back one chapter in chapter 14, they had just seen Jesus walk on water through a storm to their boat, and one of them, Peter, stepped out on the water with Jesus. They were living the Jesus life. They weren't just reading about it. They weren't making rules and trying to get other people to have the same cold heart they were. They had a hot heart, and they didn't have it all figured out. They messed up a lot, but they were with God. So the question is, do you give God more lip service than you give God heart service? By the way, if if you're struggling with this and you're like, man, my heart's just not where it needs to be, God offers forgiveness and a second chance to hypocrites. If you look at that verse he quoted in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 14, they, 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 they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Still talking about them in Isaiah 29, 14, he makes a promise. He says, therefore, I will astound these people once more with wisdom and wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish and the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. He says, I will astound them once more with wonder. So just because your heart's not where you need to be does not mean that God's done with you. Just because you're living in hypocrisy doesn't mean that God can't restore you, but it's time for a heart checkup. So there are, there are battles that we fight. Remember we talked about the battles that we fight. We, you know, there's God's words versus the words of people. There's the lips versus the heart. And here's the final one that it kind of all boils down to. It's the external versus the internal. The external versus the internal. So, if you keep reading, you see in um, <laughs> these poor disciples. Remember, I said they 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 loved Jesus, and they were with him, but they weren't the smart. They you know, they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. You know, <laughs> you know they, they they just weren't, and they had a hard time understanding what Jesus was saying. So Jesus sometimes would not not have to dumb it down, but he'd have to speak very explicitly so they would understand. And and Jesus says, um, um, Jesus says. He talks about what the, you know, Jesus ticks off the Pharisees. That's the best way to say it. And in verse 12, his disciples, it says, they come to him and say, do you know the Pharisees were, were offended when you said that? <laughs> and Jesus is like, heck yeah, I know they're offended. That was the point. But then he, he, it says, he replied to the disciples, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be plucked up from the roots. Leave them, they're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. He's essentially saying, don't listen to what they say. It doesn't matter if they're offended. If, if, if they're blind guides and you're following a blind guide, where do you think you're going to end up? In a ditch, right? So the disciple, the Peter, poor guy, he's like, we don't get it. You know, in verse 13, can you explain this parable to us? So you can, I can just see, I mean, I think you can have holy sass. And I think Jesus had a moment of holy sass. And he goes, are you still so dull? Like, I can just see him saying that. Like, are you Hello, McFly. Like, are you that dull? Um, In verse 17, it says, Don't you understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? you got to understand the translators of the Bible, when they translated it from Greek to English, they were trying to keep the Bible PG, but the Bible was not originally written into PG. Um, Verse 17 says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? That word for out the body, I want to make sure I pronounce it right. Um, hold on. I'll make sure I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget how to pronounce it. Aphedron. And aphedron is literally describing the site where human waste is expelled. So I looked up other words that it could be translated into. Um, the first is a privy, which I found out was the British word for a toilet. 
you know, Brit, Brits are so like, they're so sophisticated. You're like, I've got to go to the privy, you know. But <laughs> here, here are the words that describe it. Privy, sink, or toilet. Like, never mind, I'm not going to go there. I was going to talk about what in the world are you doing with a sink. But, um, but um, do you understand when, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, here's what it sounded like to them. He said, don't you understand whatever goes into the mouth goes into the stomach and then into the toilet. That's literally what he said. So what, you know, Jesus is like, are you so dull? Let me explain it to you very simply. What you eat goes into your stomach and then into the toilet. So it's not about how clean your hands are physically when you eat, although you could probably get some salmonella, right? But he says what's important spiritually is not what you eat and how you eat it, but what's important is what's in your heart because he said out of the heart will come these things, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. See, the, the Pharisees, we're going to contrast again, the Pharisees had clean hands, but they had dirty hearts. The disciples had dirty hands, but they had clean hearts. The Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So some of us are very good at putting together that Pharisee look. You know, we're very good. And, and we've got the external thing down. You know, our, our outside says forever 21, but our inside says forever salty. You know, or yeah, our inside says forever a jerk. You know, you, you can look the part on the outside, but what's inside is what matters because it's, it's going to come out in your life, right? And, and that was the problem. The heart is incredibly important. God talks about the heart so much. I wrote down a couple of verses that talk, you know, where we see God talking about the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our heart is prone to wander. It's deceitful and beyond cure. Proverbs 4, um, 23 says, guard your heart because all of life flows from it. Most, most of us don't expose our heart, what's going on inside us to others, but you show me your heart, I'll show you how you're going to act in a week, in a month, in a year. So it has to do with the external versus the internal, and one easy way to remember this is the internal is eternal. That's a real easy way to remember it. The internal is eternal. It's, it's kind of a really rough time um, for me and kind of for some in our church because I, we have so far had like four funerals in a week at our church, and we've got two more coming up this week. So yeah, I've been very much reminded about the fact that these bodies that we have don't last forever, that the external is not eternal. But your soul, your heart is eternal. The question is, are you getting it ready to meet Jesus? So how do we do that? How do we get that ready? Two things I want you to think about. And, and the first is schedule a heart checkup with God. Schedule a spiritual checkup with God. You know, none of us like <laughs> to get a checkup. Um, well, I went to Grace, and in order to play sports at Grace, you had to have a sports physical. And they would always send this really cheesy postcard to us when it was time for sports physicals. And it would say on the front, it's time for dot, dot, dot. And then you'd turn the postcard over and it says in big letters, sports physicals with an exclamation point. I was like, wow, if only everyone shared your enthusiasm about getting a physical, right? None of us like to go to the doctor for a physical. You know, you're sitting there on that examination, in that examination room, 
in your skivvies, cold, waiting for that awkward moment with the doctor, right? Nobody likes it. But you know what? It's really important to get a checkup. Sometimes the doctor will find something going on in your body that really needs to be addressed. And even though it was not the most comfortable, and even though it was kind of awkward, probably glad you did it. Probably glad you did. I mean, some of us, you know, didn't find anything, not glad we did it, you know. But, but, but if, if there were to be something going on, you'd be glad you did it. And can I tell you these spiritual checkups? I'm not going to tell you they're incredible and they're fun and they're the most enjoyable time in your life. But what I will tell you is they're the most, I'm, not, I'm talking about spiritual, physical, spiritual checkups at this point, okay? You can do whatever you want to with your physical checkups. But these spiritual checkups are not the most fun. They're not the most enjoyable. They're not the most entertaining. They're the most worthwhile things you can do. Because, you know, you can hit the gym and you can get your pump on and you can look good. But there's going to be time, I'm telling you guys, no matter how much money you spend on putting, shooting things in your body, Things that start out like this are going to end up like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, no matter how much you try to tape and, 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 and fit into spandex, yeah, stuff's going to drop at some point. Stuff's going to sag at some point. Your body is not eternal. <clears throat> the clothes you wear will get holes in them. I'm kind of one of those kind of people. I like to wear, like, I've got a certain pair of jeans or a certain pair of shoes or a certain T-shirt. I will wear it till it can no longer be, like, appropriate to wear because there's so many holes in it. Um, but clothes are temporary. Everything in this life is temporary except your heart. So it's the most worthwhile thing you can do to make sure your spiritual heart is healthy. So give yourself a checkup. I wrote down a couple things that you should ask yourself. It'll be on the app um, if, if you don't have time to write all these down. But here's some things you should ask during your checkup. First off, God's the doctor. Allow him to search you. But ask yourself, how consistent am I in spending time with God each day? How is my prayer life? Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? By the way, if you haven't confessed sin today, there probably is because I have to confess sin multiple times during the day. How involved am I with the people of God and how have I served God this week? And those are just a couple questions. But David prays in Psalms. He says, search me, God. Know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Cleanse me. Some of us, we need to give ourselves a spiritual checkup. Maybe you've never done that before and you don't know What's up going on in your heart? You don't know if your heart is ready to meet God. If you stepped out of this building and got hit by the TTA bus, if you're not up here on the ridge very often, these TTA buses go at like 50 miles an hour. You know, so I have this like insane fear of getting hit by a TTA bus. But you know, if, I, if, you, if you step out of this building and get hit by a TTA bus, you don't know where, you, you don't know what's, where you're going to end up because you don't know where your heart is. I would do that spiritual checkup as soon as you can. Um, the next thing, make the Bible a big part of your life. Because the most important thing you can do is anytime someone says, well, God said this, or I think this, you know, the first thing, you don't always have to be like that guy that asks this question, <laughs> but the first thing you should think in your head and that you should ponder kind of over is, what does God say about it? What does the Bible say about it? You know, in order to know what God says about things, you've got to open the pages of this book. You know, you're not just going to like magically understand or magically know what's, you know, what, what God says about something. You've got to read it. Um, secondly, it's not just good enough to read it because there, I'll be honest, there are times I pick the book up, I, I read the Bible, and an hour later, phew, I forgot it. So what I've learned is I've got to memorize it. I've got to remember what I've learned. 
And then here's the final thing. You got to live it. You got to live in obedience to God. So when, when God says go make disciples, you got to go make disciples. And when God says love your neighbor, your neighbor and your friends, you got to love them. And when God says that you should be holy and pursue holiness and confess your sins, you should do that. If you want to be real, that's what's up. So I finished right on time tonight. Uh, is anyone proud of me? Um, <laughs> April's really proud of me because she, did, she didn't think it was possible. Like, like she didn't think it was possible. Um, but middle school's coming up, so we have time to pray. Um, so we don't often do this, but I finished on time, so we get to do, or I'm going to finish on time, so we get to do this. Will you kind of like bow your head and close your eyes? I want to just give you, we don't have a lot of time, but just give you a moment to maybe start your spiritual checkup. So this is like a time, like like I said, we don't do this often, but um, don't look around. Just kind of draw a circle around yourself, and it's just you and God. And, and, and think about, ask God to expose to you where your heart is. Ask God to show you whether or not you're living a real, authentic life or whether you've been faking it. And I want to give you the opportunity to just pray that God come into your life and and change your life to change your heart sometimes our hearts can get so cold sometimes our hearts can get so like hard because we've been doing the christian thing for so long we forget that god wants our heart before he wants our hands so i just want to give you the opportunity to do that i also want to encourage you if if you don't know where your heart is you don't know what, what's going to happen when you die? You don't know if your heart's ready for Jesus. Um, I want to encourage you to make things right with God tonight. If you don't know how to do that or if you have questions about that, um, chat with me when we go down to tag or chat with a leader or chat with one of the friends that um, invited you to come. Um, but this is the most important thing you could ever do. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to go down to tag. Uh, Father, I pray that in this moment that we'll respond to you Um, I pray that you'll break our hearts down, um, that you'll break down the walls that we put up. We think you can't see through them, but you can. So, Father, I pray that we'll give our dirty, sinful heart to you in faith, that only you can clean it, and only you can make it pure, and only you can make it responsive to you again. Father, I pray that we'll trade our life of hypocrisy, that we'll trade the games that we play for a real life pursuing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.